and welcome to The Sacred. My name is Elizabeth Oldfield, and this is a podcast about our deepest values and the people behind the positions that so shape our common life. And this is a special edition. At the end of each series, we like to look back at the people that I've talked to, reflect on some of the themes emerging, and see what we've learned about what different people hold sacred and what it might teach us about how we can engage with more empathy and curiosity across our divides. It's been a really, really uh, rich and interesting series. And I've been looking back very specifically at what the guests said was sacred to them. We've done this now for five years. In about six months' time, we'll be hitting 150 episodes. And so we're really creating quite a large data set of the kind of things that people think that they hold sacred. And I love seeing if there are just any patterns coming through. So at the start of the series, I spoke to Abby. Abby Morgan, screenwriter, BAFTA award-winning scriptwriter, storyteller, memoirist, who would be interesting uh, because of the body of her work and the stories that she's told, but has lived this intensely unusual story with her partner, Jacob, um, and his illness and later experience of Capgras syndrome, where he forgot who she was and thought she was an imposter. And her sacred value that she talked about was time. And I think, honestly, she would say the time thing is just that that's what's really lacking in her life. She is constantly working to deadlines. And then perhaps slightly deeper than that, this thing of truth, truth and authenticity of trying to be yourself, of trying to tell stories, and she's usually telling fictional stories, but tell stories that somehow ring true, that ring true with our experiences, that that connect with our sense of how human beings work, how life works. And that seemed like a really subtle um, and interesting thing to come through. Dougal did this thing that I could both completely understand and is very difficult because he basically said what is sacred is is where words stop working. Uh, It's really difficult for us um, to get to the thing beyond, you know, the story beyond what the state tells us and uh, what the market tells us, the stories that we have inhabited into something bigger and more spacious, um, something more than what we can see. His, His refusal to kind of close down that imaginative space of what's possible and who might be out there felt like it was um, what he was grasping towards as what was sacred to him. And that's not something I think has been put in quite that way before. Audrey is sad. She said the body. And I really don't think anyone has said that before. And it was a really interesting thing and obviously quite, um, quite a recent area of interest and exploration for her. She said, discovering the body as a locus of divine wisdom and intelligence. And it is it's really noticeable, actually, how many of my guests, because of the nature of our public conversations, you know, even in that word conversations is the assumption that we will be working uh, with words, with our minds, with ideas, this more embodied sense of ourselves, uh, the kind of creaturely aspects of ourselves, maybe the creative aspects of ourselves, the emotional aspects of ourselves don't maybe have as much space. We default towards pushing those towards the sidelines. So it was really helpful for Audrey to kind of try and put that back in the centre as something that is sacred to her. Patrick Deneen, um, he might be the first person who has said exactly the same thing that I said when I was interviewed for an earlier anniversary episode um, by Ian Dunt, which is relationships. So it's very interesting to hear someone start from the same sacred value um, and coming from a completely um, not 
not completely different, but but diverse and interesting perspective with a different story. And his is relationships and relationality. And that's very formed by his Catholic faith and the idea of the Trinity. But he's clearly just nervous of individualism in all its forms. And that that um, that's what presses that, that button when we feel like the sacred is being transgressed. Inaya said home, and it was just this beautiful, quite wistful thing, actually, about wanting somewhere to have roots and foundations and stability and security um, and how important that is becoming to her as she's out in the world and um, maybe from a generation and a particular background where home hasn't always been uh, what she's hoped or she hasn't known where to make home. Wes again said truth, and this is possibly the most said uh, sacred value truth on one hand or love and kindness on the other. They come up again and again and again. Uh, honesty, you know, to thine own self be true. Um, not com- not compromising on uh, what felt important for him, but also alongside that, the ability to compromise on other things, on, on everything else, knowing where your boundaries are and being prepared to go quite far, actually, to meet other people. It really made me think about how when we understand what is sacred to people, it's much easier to affirm and acknowledge what's sacred to them, even if we might be starting from a different place and how useful actually it is in negotiations, whether you're a politician or you're trying to persuade people in public, knowing how to acknowledge what is sacred to someone else and either find a way to connect your two sacred starting points or... um, or to find what is compromisable on that doesn't touch on their sacreds is one of those skills, those ways of listening that I think can really help us be together. Martin Shaw, it was really lovely listening to Martin because this conversion that he's had is so recent that it feels like everything in his world has just been turned upside down. And he had many years of knowing what was sacred to him in nature and in the wild. And now this sense that there was something kind of bigger and maybe wilder and beyond that all along that's now sacred to him. Um, it was a really beautiful thing to listen to sort of all his orientations changing and he's maybe not quite knowing how to describe what is sacred to him now. And Felix, this sense of engaging with other people different from yourself. And then he said something that I think is really key for us in understanding the sacred is that the sacred is not, it's not me. It's not something that I can choose on my own, that it needs to be something that can call me into question. It needs to be, um, later on in the interview, he said, I thought I was an atheist, but I did have a God and it was myself. And I think uh, for a lot of people, their instinct about the sacred is it is what we allow to call ourselves into question. It's where we lay down um, our desire to be kind of fully sovereign, autonomous actor in the world, hopefully towards a, towards a healthy sacred, which guides us um, outward into the love of others. And then Satish said, basically everything, all people, all life, all plants, all insects, all animals. And I said in the reflection for his episode, I sort of don't know what to do with that. It is both this beautiful aspiration of reverence for life itself and it really plays out in how he's trying to live and it goes quite against the grain of my kind of non-academic intuitive sense of what I mean by sacred which is something set apart something that we will protect an anchor you know a lodestar a foundation I just don't know if that can be everything for me 
but maybe I just don't have the moral imagination uh, for that capacious sense of the sacred to feel possible for me. So we have these very different starting points, these emphases. And then coming out of the interviews, I, I feel like there's two major themes as I was listening back and reading back to these guests. And they are um, one that is always a theme through everything we do, which is divides and how do we cross these differences and divides. And one which is storytelling. It felt like completely accidentally a series about stories you know, we had one or two really people whose it's their jobs to tell stories, Martin and Abby. And we started with Abby and she, this kind of fascinating thing of someone who is, thinks so fully in stories that for, she's sort of always writing the story of her life. And then when your life takes such a drastic turn as hers did, how you both be in your story and in your experience and be narrating it to yourself and what is helpful about that and what isn't. The way that the stories that we tell ourselves shape our expectations of life and our imaginative possibilities. You know, she she was telling a story about covenantal committed love that held her even when her husband forgot who she was. That the story that I am in <laughs> is this relationship. It's not just my story I'm pinging around. I am telling a story in which Jacob and I are the key players. And I don't know how it's going to end, but I am going to stay in this story. You know, the power of that kind of loving commitment and attention was so powerful. We saw it with Martin in this slightly more meta way that it's his job to tell stories. He goes around the country telling old stories. And he used this phrase, a culture worthy of the name knows its stories, knows how to pass down the stories that each new generation are going to need to work out how they're going to live and what does it mean to be a grown up and what does it mean to be a good to live a good life and that there's treasure there in these oldest forms of knowing you know what stories am i exposing myself to it made me think you know how am i letting the stories of the films and netflix and podcasts and novels in what ways are they shaping my imaginative reality my ability to make choices my sense of what is good and what isn't good Audrey obviously is a is a musician, is a songwriter, but again, she had this sense of narrating her life, of making sense of her journey as starting in one story and then moving into something that didn't negate or um, dismiss where she started, but was able to see it as part of a, in her language, a bigger story of something that could hold it, you know, these different chapters in her life. She's very careful not to say that was a wrong turn or a bad chapter, that her understanding of how it works together narratively is still unfolding. Do Good I found so helpful for giving me a sense of story of how to live in these times that can, for some of us, feel um, overwhelming about the scale of the challenge. You know, it, it, if, if the story that we're telling is purely apocalyptic and not in the sort of wise and rich way that religious traditions tend to tell it, but in a kind of uh, sci-fi dystopia, if that's the story of the future that we're telling, where we have no agency and no ability to do anything about it, and um, we might as well just despair, you know, that, that it, it, it's, not, it's not difficult to slip into that story. I don't, I find it all too prevalent in our society. And so the idea of telling a different story that is open-ended, that is a bit more mysterious, that is not naive to the scale of the challenge that we face, but invites us really to take, to think what kind of characters do we want to play in this? You know, what do we want our character arc to be? Is it headless chicken panicking 
Or is it thinking, right, what are the skills that I need? What might it mean to love my neighbour in times like these? That sense of what is the story we're telling about the future? And what, given that we don't know how it's going to go, maybe we can just pick the most helpful story that uh, helps us be more loving and braver. And then finally with Satish, and the thing I did find very challenging and helpful about what he said is really what is the story that we're telling about other people? I said, how do we learn to love people? You know, come on, Satish, tell me something more concrete. Uh, How do we learn these skills? And he said, um, you know, he trusts himself. He trusts that he can do good in the world. Complex for me. I need to sit with that. But then he said, uh, I trust other people. And when you treat people with trust, they live up to it. I expect them to be generous and they're generous. You know, I expect them to be kind and they're kind. And the stories that we tell other people and what we expect of them hugely affect how we show up in conversation with them in real life, in what we put out into the world. And we respond so strongly to these micro signals with each other. If we know if someone's coming prickly, we know if someone's coming defensive, we know if someone's coming um, shut down, actually, withdrawn, and that can set the whole tone of an encounter. But Satish shows up trusting people and open and friendly and expecting to have a human encounter. And it sounds like in the vast majority of cases, that's what he gets. And I want to work out how to embody that practice in my own life. The second theme is around divides. And we really saw uh, both Anaya and Martin had had these changes of mind or these changes of heart, conversions, you know, slipping out of the kind of dominant set of ideas of the tribe to which they had previously felt part and how hard that is, how easy it is for people to feel betrayed, Um, how easy it is probably for the person who's changed their mind or heart to feel a bit dismissive of the thing they've left. I think that's a real temptation. Um, I could hear Audrey trying to avoid that temptation, which I respected about her. The challenge for me was when someone I know and love who seems people like me changes their mind, changes their heart, changes their identity on something, can I keep loving them? Can I not make it about me and my narcissism and my way that my identity is so mediated by the people around me? Can I just stay curious and open and empathetic? Wes, I found really refreshing in that he was like, of course you can be friends with people of other parties. You know, it's not as bad as it looks. He was just quite a matter of fact about this shouldn't be that hard. Of course, we can be friends with people who are different from us. And maybe it's because in politics, you do have to compromise and you do have to connect. Um, It was noticeable that he didn't name Jeremy Corbyn. (laughs) I think we need to not play down just how much uh, tribal intensity there was about him in different periods of the Labour Party. And I'm interested in how you kind of keep both a thick skin and an open heartedness, um, if in fact that is what he is able to do because you never know from one interview. Uh, With Felix and Black Elephant, clearly these themes have come up again and again. What they've learned in Black Elephant is put people in a room or at least in a Zoom room and use good questions like what is sacred, but also, you know, get people talking about their childhoods, get people talking about what brings them joy, get people talking about where there's something that's a kind of knot or a struggle in their life. Like don't go straight for the way that thing that you're different about go for anything that's going to help the whole human person come into view. And those questions at their best elicit a level of vulnerability, elicit a level of humanity that make it much easier to 
like each other, frankly. I've experienced again and again in one of those rooms or others, someone who I'm feeling a bit don't like you, which let's be clear happens a lot. Like I hope it does to everyone, you know, reacting against whatever tribal signifier. They'll say something about something hard in their life or something they've struggled with or something they're worried about. And my, I can, my heart softens instantly. It's, it's almost like magic that you see the child in someone or you see the human in someone and it gets you out of fight or flight enough to see them as a whole human person. That vulnerability, that I hope it's part of what this podcast is doing. You can hear where people's lives have not always been easy, where they've found things difficult and it helps us soften towards each other, to keep soft hearts towards each other. Patrick's much more pragmatic on divides in a way that I found really interesting. And what I wish I'd asked is, is this just in politics? Because in politics, he was very much like, yep, slightly a zero-sum game. You're going to have a fight. Someone's going to win. That's what politics is. And not bothered by that, seemingly at all. I'd be really interested to know if that shows up in the rest of his life, like how much he does have friends from different tribes or how much it feels... um, like he doesn't feel the need actually that he he thinks it's a kind of more natural and normal situation that we sort a bit into people with these similar values. And then finally, Satish, this radical love, this sense that you get from him that I don't think he really believes in divides anymore and therefore just acts as if they don't exist um, and what it might mean to get there, what it might mean to... Um, embody the non-violent tradition which is clearly learned so much through that childhood as a, as a Jane monk as a very young child um, that the love of other is this primary thing it won't be something that all of us are interested in growing in but I'm interested in growing in from my tradition from the Christian non-violent tradition what does it mean to seek to love the other at that like <laughs> relentless universal level is it even possible Not for me, yet, Um, but I hope I've got more time to learn it. (sighs) Much is sitting with me from this series. I hope that some things are sitting with you and I'd be so interested to know what they are. Please do get in touch with reflections, reactions. If you radically disagree with me on anything, as long as you express it sort of broadly, politely, I'd love to hear it. I find it really helpful and interesting and provocative. Um, You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter. You're all digitally literate. You'll know how to find me. Um, And as always, please do rate and review the podcast. Share it with a friend. We'll be taking a break now over the summer, back with a already really exciting list of guests lining up. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening to The Sacred. Mm